0: Oh man, that video always gets me. Of course, there's a dad being uh, um, a dad of a daughter, you know, watching that. And, and some of you are like, wait, 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 don't bring up the lights
1: yet. Don't bring up the lights yet.
0: Some of you are like, I wish I would have come late. Otherwise, you know, now I'm stuck in the middle because they told me to move the middle and I can't go get a tissue. And... But uh, uh, this, uh, um, ah well, welcome, welcome. Some of you we haven't seen since like before the playoffs, so you're like, you know, uh, what did I just walk into here? Um, today's a little bit different. Uh, if you've been watching the playoffs, that's been your focus. Okay, this is like, okay, Kyle Hendricks is coming up to get us rolling, get us started, and Chapman's going to come in a little bit later to, to close us out. The, good, the healthy Chapman is going to come close us out, so that's kind of where we're headed. But um, welcome to Mudoka Bible Church. If you're joining us online, thanks for being with us today as well. And we are in a brand new series um, called It's Just a Phase. And today it's, uh, it's entitled Think Orange. Um, and orange is a popular movement among uh, churches. And for a good reason, the, the focus is this. It's on families as being the primary place where spiritual development happens. And so for the next couple weeks, what we're trying to do is kind of create um, this vision, kind of do some vision casting for um, what does it look like for um, families to partner with NBC to influence the faith of their child. And I would say for, from the beginning, NBC, the, the reason we are where we are today, um, is because uh, NBC has made families and investing in the lives of kids a priority. Because we believe that God created the family, and Pastor Earl is going to talk about that in a little bit and unpack Deuteronomy six. But um, God created families, all shapes and sizes, and um, He even created awkward families. I don't know if you guys have been on this uh, website before called Awkward Family Photos. Um, it's weird. The internet has a lot of weird stuff, and this is some of the, this is some of the weird stuff that's, that people have have decided to share with the world. and And they take these photos that were uh, of of families that are just they're just they're just awkward. I don't know how else to say it. Just check out a couple of them, right? This is dated from probably 70s or something. You think, oh, it's pretty normal. Mom, she's got the hair that reflects the, you know, the the, the era and her kids. And then you realize, well, that's not the whole picture. It's actually a superimposed picture of the family in the dad's head. And he's like, what? What what were they thinking? And then you see something like this. You're like, oh, that's that's, that's pretty normal. You got, you know, parents of the kids and grandparents, maybe aunt and uncle in there. Um, But someone didn't give Uncle Rico, like, the dress code for the picture. (laughs) And uh, he showed up in his Hulk shirt, and the Hulk face happens to be right next to the baby's face. It's like, what? What on earth? Families are so weird. And then you have, like, uh, you have these pictures. like, oh, the girl, okay, it's from, like, the 90s or 80s or something like that. They got their pets with them and their little brother, and you're like, Jason, why did, you, why did you block out the face of their little brother? Well, because it's not their little brother. It's, it's a puppet. Because I, I <laughs> apparently he's part of the family because dad's a ventriloquist or something. And, uh, but this whole next couple of weeks, we're going to focus on, on families. And what does it mean to be a healthy family? Because healthy families, we believe, if, we're, if our mission, our goal is to be a community of Christ followers... Who are committed to being real with God and to see God's big vision for the world to be changed and transformed and for hope to take take shape and form? It starts with, yeah, healthy individuals, but but individuals in healthy families. We believe that healthy families make healthy communities. If we want to be a healthy community, we've got to have healthy families. And the question is: well, how do you become a healthy family? And, and before we go on, I just want to pause and just challenge us on that point for a second. Have you, have you thought about recently the intention that you bring to your home families, parents, that your family and the way that it operates can be a reflection of the goodness of God? It could be a reflection of hope. The life of your family can be a ministry. To your neighborhood. To a world that is in need of hope. That is dying. That is broken. Your family. You can lead your families to be that hope. And I know some of you, you're, you're struggling right now. And you're saying, well, how can I do that? Because we're so dysfunctional. We're just like one of those awkward families up there. Maybe we don't look like that. But we feel awkward and things aren't perfect. I'm not aiming for perfection. We're not aiming for perfection here. We're aiming to say how... Can we become more healthy? How can we be intentional about that? Because we believe that God, again, God created families. And that um, the family is the place, the primary place for the spiritual formation of a child. That's a gut check for me. Because I know that I, I can't simply outsource my the spiritual development of my kids to somebody else, to the church or to the Christian school that we attend. Or wherever it's not like math where I can just say, oh, I'm not that good at math, so I'll just you know send them to Manuka Junior High or High School, and that's where they can learn that. Spiritual development doesn't work that way. So much of it is caught in the home, and we believe that the family is the primary place for that. But of course, you know some of us were out of that stage, or we're, we don't yet have kids. But we also believe that God has, has created the church. And provided the, the church as a bigger family, as a, as a context where um, additional voices can step into the life of a child and impact them. And we believe that when those two powers combine, um, what you get is this concept called orange. A guy named Reggie Joyner kind of developed this concept uh, uh, about 15, 20 years ago, that if you imagine family as sort of a yellow circle and church as a red circle, when you bring it together, you get orange. He's like, I, I want churches to think orange, to think how can we leverage the voices of the church, the impact of parents together to have a greater influence. And so this, we've, we've got this series called It's Just a Phase. And this is part of a bigger project. Um, it's Just a Phase is a, is a project that uh, they've taken church leaders and teachers and uh, child psychologists and said, what are, what, how can we boil it down to... Um, uh, how can we boil this research that we know about kids and how their life, how their development is and how their faith is influenced and, and boil it down to truths that we can kind of take handles of and be intentional about so that we can influence their faith, so that every kid made in the image of God can love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and trust Jesus for a better future. Because that's the goal for every single kid in our church. And so they came up with uh, this timeline that we've kind of customized for our church and talked about these phases. And if you look at the bottom, this timeline is on the back of each of your uh, notes. And uh, there, are, uh, there are timelines of these in the back if you're interested in taking one home. Um, but at the bottom, you see there's, there's four distinct phases that we're going to hit on today. That whether you're a parent and you need to uh, you know, amp the intensity up in e- each of these phases... Or if you are um, someone who is looking to invest in kids in this church, um, this is essentially, again, a vision casting to say, how can we all be on the same page about what we're doing here? Otherwise, if we're not, if we're not careful, our ministries can be just become simply programs, extracurriculars that we just attend, as opposed to partnerships where we can say, hey, let's have the same mind and the same goal to see every kid love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And let's be very intentional about that. So we've encouraged you know, all of our youth leaders, all of our children's leaders to really be paying attention in the, on this series. And we'll be talking to this, them about more of this stuff um, in, our, in our trainings and such. Um, but we want to have that same goal and that same mind as a church. Um, did, did you take out the other slide? You might have taken out the other slide. You took out the other slide. That's okay. We'll just skip it. Um, essentially, uh, because I don't, I don't have that slide memorized. Um, but it's essentially, our goal is that you would walk away, families, parents, with a plan for your family and a strategy for your family to say, okay, how, how can I, how can I as a parent leverage each of these unique phases to influence the child? And for you as a church to say, how can I partner with families to leverage each of these phases to have an impact on a child's faith for the rest of their life? And so we're going to kind of jump into each of these phases. um, And we also have some cool baby dedication stuff, which is going to be happening just shortly. But we're going to hit on each of those. Embrace, engage, affirm, and mobilize. What about these phases um, is it? And so we've actually got Pastor Nick Pastor Josh via video, myself and Errol to share about these phases, so check out Pastor Nick.
2: Hi there, I'm Pastor Nick, and I'm the junior high pastor here at Minocle Bible Church. But today, I'm here to talk to you about the first phase of parenting, the embrace phase. Now my wife, Joy, and I, we had been married for about three and a half months when we discovered we were expecting our very first child. Talk about Embrace. I mean, I was already trying to learn what it meant to be a husband. Now here I was going to have to learn what it meant to be a dad. I was entering this embrace phase with little to no idea of what to expect. Now it's been six years since our first kid arrived, and I'm still in this embrace phase with three kids and one on the way. It's amazing, and it's the zero to five year old age. It's that birth right before kindergarten phase, and it's in this phase that there's two primary goals: love and safety. And we understand safety because we've all had those moments as parents where that safety mechanism kicks in. Our kid is maybe playing in the yard, and they start heading towards the street, and so we scoop them up in our arms. Perhaps like me, you've witnessed your kids have that wonderful, crazy thought of, if only I could fly, and they attempt to do so off the stairs. Now, our daughter Zoe, when she was four years old, she took her blanket, made it into a cape, and she decided she was going to jump off the top of the mid-stair landing in our home. It's one of those things that you see in slow motion as a parent, and you want to do everything in your power to keep it from happening, but you can't move quicker than gravity. And so there she is, flying through the air and eventually the, reaching the bottom of the stairs. She successfully made the jump, but she landed on her butt. And As the tears begin, you wonder how you'll ever really be able to protect them from anything. If you can't keep them from jumping down the stairs. And so we do our best. We embrace the strange, the unusual, the weird, the crazy, and we embrace this idea of safety and car seats and fences and doing everything we can to protect our kids. But we also understand love. Now, all three of my kids are different, and they all express love in their own unique way. But when when all of them were babies, at, at different points when they were babies and in the middle of the night when they couldn't sleep, I would sing to them, and I would sing to them at night when they had this trouble sleeping. It was Bob Marley's Three Little Birds. You know the words, don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right. And I remember how they would look up at me as they were relaxed by the song, and they'd look up and they'd, they'd kind of this look on their face like, dad, you're strange, but I love you. And so we have those moments, right, those moments where we connect, where we bond with our kids, and we still have that now. And whether it's watching cartoons or cuddling on the couch or playing Legos on their bedroom floor, or even best yet when they get out of the tub and they're all cozy after a bath in their jammies and we just cuddle up, they feel the warmth, they feel the love, they feel safe. That's the role that I embrace, the phase that I embrace as their father. As parents in this stage of early childhood, our job is to embrace our kids with safety and love. That's exactly what Jesus did. You see, when the people brought their children before Jesus, the disciples, they rebuked them and they tried to send them away. They didn't value or show concern for the children, but Jesus, Jesus saw them and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he placed his arms around them and he blessed them. Just as we feel safe and loved in the arms of our heavenly father, so too do we bring that same feeling as we embrace our children. Now, as a dad, that's my job to make sure my kids know right now, this embrace phase, that they are safe and that they are loved by me. All
3: right, so in this first phase, this is so critical that this is something that parents are doing. And, and if you look at that first phase, we realize that in it, um, a parent's primary role, as Pastor Nick said, is to lay out a foundation of safety and love. Because if that is established, as a kid is growing up, they're going to have that opportunity to, to trust you. If you create an environment that's toxic in the, that early age, why would they believe you who held anything, let alone the Lord or anything else in life? And so this is so critical and so important. Now, right in this, one of the things that we want to do to partner with you during this, this phase is that one part of dedication. And you may have seen it at this church, um, but to realize that, that when these kids come up here, and today we have Clara Rose Swanson, fantastic in a beautiful Navy dress. And we also have Aubrey Grace Aguilar right over there, sporting the pink one. And... And what we have here is is nothing spiritual or sacred has transferred on this stage for these infants, for these children. Nothing has happened on stage. What we have in dedication is the parents. The parents are dedicating themselves to embrace their kids in this phase as that person who's going to be that primary voice. And so what we do is we give parents an opportunity to go through a class on parenting. I think I left my card right over here where they get a chance to know how do we do that? How do we actually lay that out to, to provide that safety and that, that security and love? And, and then we give them an opportunity to come before us as a church because this is our partnering side where we get a chance to have them go through and lay out some vows to do that in front of witnesses. And so, parents, you can respond with I do after each one of these. Do you promise to faithfully uphold your child in prayer for, his, for her salvation and her faithful walk with the Lord for all their natural days? Do you promise to teach the principles and values of the word of God by precept and example so that your daughter will grow up to know, love, and obey the teachings of the Bible? Do you promise to attend church services faithfully, setting a good example of fellowship with the members of God's family? Do you promise to avail yourselves of ministries for children and teens established by the church and other Christian organizations to assist you in your task of discipleship? the final one you can respond with, I will. Will you seek the help and guidance of fellow Christians and spiritual leaders when you come to issues that you cannot handle alone? All right. I'm gonna go ahead and pray for Clara first here. So if I can hold Clara. Can I, whenever I do this, I don't have any daughters. Oh. So dresses are kind of new to me. Let's pray for Clara. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this little girl. Lord, I pray that you help her grow to understand her need for you soon, that you'll raise her as a strong voice, the strong female voice within the church as one who can represent you and that she could bring healing and impact to those around her, whether it's at school, with her friends, at work down the road. Lord, I pray for Scott and Ashley that you'll help them in this phase and each of the phases following this phase to represent you well, that when they make mistakes, and they will, God, that they'll be humble enough to turn to you for repentance, to put things back together and seek forgiveness even of little Clara. Lord, she is a gift from you and we give you thanks for her. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. She is precious. All right. Let me give this to you guys. All right. And now we have, who's this? Aubrey. Hi, Aubrey. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Everyone bets, like, she, okay, this one's going to cry for Pastor, <laughs> Let's pray for little Aubrey. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this little one. Lord, I pray that you help her as well. Come know her need for you and how much you love her. God, I pray that she's able to grow as, uh, equally as a strong female voice, God, as one who is able to bring your impact to all those around. Lord, I pray for her parents. Lord, I pray for Juan and Amber that you help them in their task God, when life gets messy, when things go sideways, that they'll be able to trust you and hold on to you even more, and that their kids will be able to pick up on that, that Aubrey will be able to see that and learn from that and know how important you are to them and to her. Lord, we ask this in your name and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hi. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Let's give it up for these families. <laughs> All right. That's Now that's phase one. Then we get into phase two.
0: Phase two. Oh man, I love that. That's so cool. I love that we are able to kind of incorporate that in because that's such a beautiful picture of the partnership um, that, that we seek to have. And uh, this next phase, uh, is, it's the phase right after that phase where, you know, in the embrace phase, you're kind of like, oh yeah, I just can't wait to get out of... At least I was. I can't wait to get out of diapers and, you know, late nights and this and that. And you think, it'll be so much easier <laughs> in the next phase. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. What happened to this? It was so concrete there. It's like, I just need to change the diaper, all right, make sure they're fed and make sure they don't die. And, and, and I'm good. Success. And you get into this phase uh, uh, where they've labeled uh, label it engage, and engage is where um, you amp up. Each of these phases, you're amping up the intentionality that you bring as parents or as the additional voice in the life of a kid. It's why um, when I get home, sometimes, most days, I have to take a beating for my son. Because he's like, Dad, let's fight. I'm like... I'm so tired, but all right, let's do it. And then we'll go downstairs and we'll wrestle and fight. It's why, um, it's why moms, sometimes you got to get your hands dirty, like getting in the mud with your boys, or um, why dads, sometimes you end up with makeup on your face and nail polish on your nails because you want to engage in those activities. It's why you're searching around on YouTube for soccer drills to do with them or to, uh, you know, how to train your kid in Brazilian jiu-jitsu because he wants to be a ninja, all right? Which is totally cool. It's, it's that, that period of life from kindergarten to fourth grade where they're discovering things about themselves. And really, honestly, it's for you to step back and say, okay, I'm not going to try to vicariously you know, live my dreams of being a ninja through my kid. It's about them. But it's a chance to say, how has God wired them? And how is God shaping them? And how is God um, giving them passions? And, and what are those passions? And how can I engage in those passions alongside of them because it's in that engagement, that intentional engagement. And you know this because by the time you get to junior high, high school, it's, you're like, I thought, what happened? How come you don't want to play Nerf guns anymore? You know? it's, it's that this time is so critical because in that engagement, you develop trust, you develop rapport, moms and dads, and you develop a chance to speak into their lives. If a kid is engaged they will trust you. And it's in those moments that, that the deep questions happen. Because kids have no, you know, awareness of, of context or whether or not a, a deep theological question or a question like, oh, what, you know, what happened to a great-grandpa after he, after he passed away? That, that stuff comes up in the middle of playing house, you know, with your kids. And it's in those moments that you have an opportunity to speak into their lives. How are you being engaged every day? As a parent, and for us as youth leaders, I love walking over to, to Echo, and, and we make play and fun such a priority, because we want to engage these kids, because we want to see them grow in their faith. And Pastor Josh is going to talk about the next phase, uh, middle
1: school, and here he is. Middle schoolers, wow. Now, there are a lot of adjectives that we could use to describe them, right? My name is Pastor Josh, and I'm the children's pastor here at NBC. And this weekend, I want to talk to you about something that, a little outside my area, but I'm ready to talk to you about the third phase of parenting middle schoolers. Now, I have the most wonderful and thoughtful, she's caring and kind middle school daughter that I could have ever dreamed for. But at the end of the day, she's a middle schooler. And middle schoolers are, well, let's just say, unique. Unique. The word that we're going to use today that describes this phase is affirm. Affirm. Now, this age group has a very unique and interesting blend of, of confidence. And then right behind that confidence comes all of their insecurities. This phase of a middle schooler's life is unlike any other phase that they will live through. And that is big. Now, this is a magical stage that they have to challenge authority. And if you have a middle schooler, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And if you're not there yet, well, hang on. You have something to really look forward to. (laughs) That's why at this point in their life, as parents and As grandparents, as aunts and uncles, we need to be affirming their personal journey. As weird or as obnoxious as it may be, we need to be consistently affirming them. That's big at this stage. My wife and I felt that we always did a a pretty good job of that uh, with all of our kids, but then our oldest daughter hit middle school and the whole affirming thing needed to be taken to a whole nother level, especially when we made the move from where we were living to Manuka. That was a big deal. Taking her from her friends, her school, her all her extra activities was not easy. And it took a lot of affirming from us as her parents. Slowly but surely. Uh, we're making that transition. Middle school can be intense. It can be awkward. It can be very confusing. But it's through these years, dad and mom, that more than any other point in their life that they need you to lead them, to influence them, and to affirm them. And here's why. Because middle schoolers matter to God. When you see God's image in your kids, the potential will skyrocket for your middle schooler to see God.
3: And so this phase that Pastor Josh just talked about is is critical. And if you're looking at your timeline, it goes up a little bit. And we'll talk about why that is next week. But this is a, a period where we're trying to come alongside you in fifth and sixth grade with Embark, and then seventh and eighth grade with ICE to affirm their personal journey, to own their own faith, to value their faith community. Now, I'm about to talk to you about phase four, which is the high school phase, but I need to ask you this. All right, if you're in high school, anyone in high school, just raise your hand. Okay, some of us, all right. If you're in high school or older, you can answer this question, okay? Anyone younger, you're disqualified. Everyone from high school on up, you can. All right, so the, I, of the phases two, three, and four, which phase two is elementary school, phase three is, is junior high, middle school, and phase four is, is high school, elementary, junior high, or high school, which was the most difficult or dramatic or emotionally like, oh, this was, it was hard. It was, it was, so some of you might be, have been the first phase in elementary for whatever reason, or junior high or high school. I just need to show of hands. Uh, again, of high schoolers and up, how many of you would say it was the, uh, the second phase of elementary that was the most traumatic, most difficult, Okay. Okay, maybe one or two of us, all right. How many of you would say it was the third phase of junior high, that was the most traumatic, difficult, et cetera, so far, okay. All right, how many of you would say, nope, 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 it was, it, it was definitely high school, phase four. Okay, so almost like even, even between the junior high and high school being traumatic. Now, um, I, let me ask you this as well. Of, with high schoolers, what is the value? Like what is the thing that they value most? You could think back to your own high school years or your parenting. What is it that, what value does a high schooler value most? What is it the thing that they want, they desire? What is it? What, okay, what? Acceptance, belonging. I, I heard someone, and I, I, I would have said of ex- acceptance, because I'm like, I just want to be accepted, man. Just accept it. I need a friend. Just one, man. Just One. And acceptance, that was like what I always thought. That's wrong. Someone else said it. It's independence or freedom. (laughs) Yeah, it's something that, that, that's something that, and and Nate Selk said it back there. He's like driving. Yes. Every high schooler, their primary value is independence. They want to be independent of you. And sometimes for really good reason. Not because you're so bad or messed up. That may be too. But the fact is, is that they want independence because God put that in their heart. It's naturally there. It's, it's, it is. And I am I'm a parent of a 16-year-old now who has his license. And so this, this concept is not something I've only lived through. I'm living through it now with that reality as the drumbeat for independence happening on. I don't know if you knew about this or not, but something big happened in Chicago this past week. Somewhat significant. And, and it was, I mean, we were there. We were like so stoked uh, when we were like, when, the, when game seven was happening and it finishes and, it, and, and it, 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 oh, that, that out at first base and we're all jumping for five minutes, hugging each other, it's, you know, except for Ryland because he's a Cardinals fan. But all the rest of us were like all freaking out. It was like the coolest moment ever. I go out in the street. I'm running up and down. Joanne Drive screaming my head off. Ah! It was, it was so cool. And the, the hype didn't die at game seven. At 1.30 in the morning or whenever your adrenaline ran out and you finally went to sleep, it continued on. Like on Friday, there was a small gathering of people in the city. <laughs> How many of you went to the parade? Yeah, I would have I been, but I've got a job. And so it, it, was, it was so... <laughs> watching it was amazing (laughs) I so wanted to be there but I wasn't the only one who wanted to be there I sent my son kicking and screaming off not kicking and screaming but he went off to school and all of a sudden he sends Julie and I a text and this was the text he sends the text and he says in the text can we go to the parade he's now this is from school I'm guessing it's within a class okay can we go to the parade I don't even respond, Julie does. Julie responds, um, you have school. To which he responds, um, can I leave? (laughs) The school's empty. (laughs) Seriously? Yeah, everyone's at the parade. I wanna see a picture of no one at school. And then Julie responds like a typical Cubs fan, there's always next year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that is, this, this phase is critical as far as independence, and it's not evil, it's not rebellion, it's not like, man, my kid's just such a brat, they talk back and they just think that they know everything. They think they know everything because God put it in their heart to start having independence now. All of that work you did in phase one, two, and three is leading somewhere. It's leading to launch. And if your thing is like, I'm still trying to treat my high schooler in phase four like they're in phase two, you're going to have massive friction and you're going to be freaking out all the time. The reality is that we need to understand that this phase is massively important for them to be independent. Now you're still in this game. You're not like, well, I guess I just, it's anarchy. Lord of the flies around my house, I guess. No, you are still a coach in this. You just have to recognize the phase that God has them in. That this independence is good, but it needs to be nurtured. Because as much as they're ready for independence, they're not ready for independence. And you need to be there to help them through that. You're mobilizing their potential to keep pursuing authentic faith and discover a personal mission. You are still doing something. Don't don't run away from this phase because it's difficult. Don't freak out on your kids because they just, man, it's just so much more, more difficult right now. I don't understand it. Well, remember how you were, okay? A lot of us were worse. (laughs) Some of us not, but I mean, most of, I was. And and this is the thing that we need to recognize. This is a valuable phase. As as a church... What we try to do is we ramp up from phase one to phase four with our intentionality as far as how much outside events happen. During the phase four, because we want to partner with you to mobilize their potential, there are more camps, there are more events, there's opportunities to engage missions. All of that stuff gets put onto the plate because what we're trying to do is saying, your child is a leader, they're independent, let's feed that independence with sending them in the direction that God has crafted them to go in. This is why, and I love this, when you have adult missions trips to Haiti, to the, some of the most dangerous places on the planet, we have junior hires and high schoolers on these trips alongside adults. This is why it, when, when you have worship up here, it's not just like you know 25 plus age up here. We want to see 15 and 16-year-olds singing and playing in the drum kit and, and, and be able to, to being able to engage. This is why when it comes to spy kids, An incredibly important ministry of our church. It is high schoolers and junior hires who are leading. We want to see that continue to happen because we want to we want to partner with you to do that. Now, if you want to know why we do this, it's because of Deuteronomy six. And I want to if it's on your phone or in your physical Bible, turn to Deuteronomy chapter six. Howard Hendricks, um, an old pastor writer and. and a uh, prof and, and president at Dallas Theological Seminary. He said, if I could have parents do one thing, I would have them saturate themselves in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. This is what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. It's, and just for context, this is God giving Moses... The, basically, this is what you're doing. You're at Mount Sinai. You guys are all just former oppressed slaves. Now you're gonna go into the promised land and you have no clue how to manage life. I'm gonna give you 600 some odd laws to help you manage life. Not to not to, you, know, rein you in, but to help direct you for how you were crafted to live. And in the midst of this 600 some odd laws that he gets, including the 10 commandments, he says, all right, well, let's talk to parents. And the cool thing is, is that he's not like saying, okay, everyone else just, if you're not a parent, if you're, if you're single, um, if you're divorced, or you just haven't had kids left, just go ahead and plug your ears because this is just for the parents. He says this in the context of everyone hearing it. And he starts off with, with a prayer that is still prayed today in the Jewish faith, the Shema, it, it, chapter six, verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Okay, so that's everyone. We need to own that. This is, we're loving God with everything that we have. And then he gets into the parents in verse seven. Impress them impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road when you lie down, when you get up, tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates, in other words, this thing that you own make it such a part of your life that it's just a part of life, you're not inauthentically trying to say something to your kids that you don't believe, own it and then, and then like pass it on and again, this is in context of the entire community of God now, that word in verse 7 that begins verse 7, some of your translations might say teach. My, uh, the NIV says impress. It, it's this word right here. It's this Hebrew word, and it's shana, shanan. And shanan means to sharpen or engrave. And, and, and the idea is your role as a parent and the community of God that are, are around you, your role as people who are supporting these parents is to be an engraver. This is not just a, a brush stroke. This is a process that takes many phases of life and a, and, a, and a dedication because you're gonna mess up, you're gonna screw the process up, it's gonna happen, but a dedication to keep coming back and to sharpen these people, to sharpen them and that every child, every child is somebody that is worthy and important to God for this to happen. In an in a, in a era, in the ancient world, where kids don't matter, the only kids that mattered were boys, and the only reason that boys mattered was because they were going to grow up one day to be men. But outside of that, they had no value. God says, these children matter so much to us that we need to make sure that we're doing this. Now, coming from that, we have three values at, at our church that, that help we try to pour into our kids' ministry that you need to be on, aware of, whether you're a parent or you're just an Or This is our marching call. First off, this. Every child at every phase matters to God and is valued by us. That, does, that means that we don't just say, okay, high schoolers are the most important, way more important than the little kids. Those little kids we don't even care. No, the kids in Adventure Outposts matter to us. And actually, not only do they matter to us, it matters that your kids are in there because we want them from an early age to learn what it's like to be the church, to learn about God next to somebody, physically be present with one another. That starts at Adventure Outpost. And we're not not like, okay, the elementary school kids, everyone loves elementary school kids. They're way more valuable than the obnoxious junior hires. No, we say every child at every phase, regardless of who their parents are, regardless of their backdrop, regardless of their, their special needs, All of them are people who are valuable to God and they matter. Every child at every phase matters to God. Secondly, every child has a primary voice in their spiritual development, the parent. I can't pronounce that enough. Every child has a primary voice in their spiritual development, the parent. As Pastor Jason said, and I'm with him, I stink at math. Some of you are awesome at math, and I hate you. Because I, I can't get that. I don't get it. When my kids are in third grade, they've already you know, lapped me in their knowledge of math. So it's awesome for me to outsource that to the schools. They can do this way better than I can. I'm just happy that they're there. I can't do that with, my spiritual, with their spiritual development. I can't outsource spiritual development. That's my job. And that's your job. The primary voice... The primary voice in a child's spiritual development is the parent. And that's why in verse 7 it says, parents, impress this, engrave this upon your children. That is your, you are the primary voice. But you're not alone. You are not alone. And if you feel like, man, I'm totally ill-equipped for this job, you are. So are we. We're all, we all feel like we struggle in this. That's why we need the partnership of the church. That's, that whole think orange thing, that's, that's the genius of it, is that you are not alone you have that primary voice and we have a church that's gonna come alongside you and partner with you. So our job is to partner with you at every phase of your kid's life. From when they're first born all the way through to give you, help give you the resources so that you can at every year be able to know what to do in impacting their kid. But not that alone. That you're able to also come down and enjoy the partnership of having your kids plugged into ministries that are doing the other side of the equation. If you're just doing the at-home stuff, rock on, good for you, but you're missing 50% of the equation. If you're just sending kids off to some some ministry or program that one of the pastors are doing, you're missing 50% of the equation. It has to be both. Now when you leave today, um, there's cardstock versions of your notes that have on the back side the timeline, and there's magnets back there, and the magnets are intended and stickers that you can like write down your kids' names on. And then plot them on there. Um, this is Corey, but it's really Cohen and Rylan, Carson and Micah. That's my four kids, my four boys. And so that's where they're at on the timeline. This is gonna go on my fridge so that I can ongoingly be praying for them. And I could also be seeing what's happening next and what part do I play. Now, again, it's not it's gotta be more than just a reminder. Next week. Everyone that comes is going to be able to sign up for free for something that we're going to be providing, and, and we're not even going to be ready to actually launch this till March because it's going to take a lot of heavy lifting on the front side, but what we're do- going to be doing is this. If your child is seven years old and you sign up for this next week, when you're, let's say your child turns eight on December 15th, on December 15th, you're going to get a message that says your package for eight years old is ready at the Family Resource Center. You're going to go over there and they're going to have a package that's going to have your name on it, your child's name on it, and in this package, it's going to tell you as a parent of an eight-year-old the things that you can do to help them see Jesus as an eight-year-old, resources that you may be able to utilize, things that your kid is physiologically going to be going through as an Um, eight-year-old. There will be having inside of that also just like pamphlets just on like, like parenting things that are taking place in their body at this period of time that may explain some of the things that you're like, I don't get it. Why are they acting like this? We want to resource you. And then, and then when your child turns nine on December 15th of the next year, you're gonna get a message. Your package is ready for you. And so every person who it signs up for that next week will be able to do that and walk every stage of the way till, they, till they're 18. And, that, and again, the, the things that they're going to be emphasizing in each one of these years are things that you may not be knowledgeable about right now. So we wanna inform you and educate you and again, this is going to be totally... We want to, we want to invest in this because we want to invest in you as parents. So make sure that you're here next week and make sure you bring some other people that they can also hear about it because that's going to be key. The week after that, we're going to unveil the Family Resource Center, which is going to have things throughout the year that you can tap into. Cards that will help you understand, again, a snapshot of what is going on in your kid's life at that time. So if you have a zero to one-year-old, this is the I need you now phase. This child wants to know, am I safe? The goal is to establish trust. You are embracing their physical needs so that they can know God's love and meet God's family. And by the way, it's 936 weeks and counting until they leave home. (laughs) Or 11th grader, the just trust me phase. I got it, mom, dad, I got it, I got it. They think like a philosopher. They want to discover meaning and learn best by processing out out loud. They want to know, how can I matter? And the goal is to refine their skills, mobilize their faith so they can pursue authentic faith and discover a personal mission. And by the way, 104 weeks and counting. We want to help you each of the way to be that primary voice. And throughout the year when your kids are plugged into ministries, we want you to start conversations. Know what's happening in the ministries. So Pastor Josh puts on the Facebook page, on NBC's Facebook page, um, what's happening in Echo Kids K-4 through during the month of November. Check out the new Virtue we start this weekend and be sure to have your kids there each weekend so they don't miss out on any of the excitement and surprise. We want you to know what's happening so that you can start a conversation. Pastor Jason shoots out um, a weekly newsletter on Tuesdays to let you know what's happening in 360. What did they just learn about in the life of David last week? Why does that matter? Make sure that you're, you're I, I'm a person that hates when teachers give me a bunch of stuff to read, like at parent-teacher conferences, because I, 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 even as they're passing it out, and they, they went to the effort of putting it on special colored paper and stuff. And I'm just like, yep, it's a lot of words. I'm not going to read that, you know, that, that type of thing. These are actually critical things that, you, that, you, that are going to help you have these spiritual conversations with your kids, leading to our third value. Every child is the church of today and a church leader of tomorrow. We do not believe that kids are the church of tomorrow. We don't believe that. We believe that believing kids are church of today. Today. That's why they're in, involved with all these different ministries. As a church, and again, when I first came here, like 19 years ago, that's what I was seeing. A church already had that built in. We didn't teach that. We just jumped on the momentum of what NBC was doing back then. And I'm stoked to see that it's continuing on. The kids of this church that are believers are the church of today. But there's a reason in Deuteronomy 6 that Moses was telling these adults, teach this and press this to your kids. Here's why. One day you're going to die. And who's going to pick up the baton? This is the most valuable reality we have in life who's going to pick up the baton if all you're focused in on is your generation we need to be a people that are investing in the next it goes it's just a phase but it goes by so quick i know <laughs> i remember i remember um, grown ups or not grown ups but older people saying to me huh, it goes by so quick you know, and, and, and you knew that they were old when they said that. Like, they're, they're old people who are telling you when your child is only the size of a Chipotle burrito. It goes by so quick. Before you know it, you're gone. And you're like, okay. You're old. That's why you say that. And then all of a sudden, you have a 16-year-old, and you're like, that went by like lightning. Like lightning. And then all of a sudden, I am the old man now. It goes by so quick. Now, I, I, I told some of you this before, um, but that blows me away at how I need to be absolutely determined. We need to be t- determined to take advantage of this time. When, when Micah was 15, um, he was uh, playing video games downstairs and uh, then he came upstairs because you, you have to go to the bathroom sometimes and uh, he got upstairs and, um, and he was going, he went to the bathroom. And Julie and I had just been talking about, I can't believe it, he's 15 years old. He's 15. He's 15. I'm like, we have three years with him. And then he, he came out of the bathroom, he's about to go back downstairs. I'm like, Micah, Micah, stop. Micah, Paul and I were just talking, you're 15. And he's like, yep. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. You, but we're talking about, like, we only have three years with you. And he paused and he looked back and he's like, yep, make it count. (laughs) And then he walked away back downstairs and Julie and I looked at each other like, did that just happen? (laughs) Church, Manuka Bible Church, make it count. If you are currently raising kids in one of these phases, make it count. If you are a grandparent, because we have a lot of grandparents here who have kids that are not leading their grandkids spiritually, and you're like the only voice in that child's life, make it count. If you're someone who's like I I, I don't have any children, or I, I you know I, I'm I'm divorced, or I, I I'm I'm t- I'm like 15 years old, I, I have no part in this, or I'm a gra- whatever, make it count. You have a role. In my life, the most impactful people in my spiritual development were people who were married without kids or single people. The reason I'm a pastor today is because of a single volunteer when I was in high school and junior high. The reason that I teach the way that I teach is because of a 75-year-old single lady named Idora who taught me the Bible creatively. And if it wasn't for Idora, I would never teach the way I teach. You are not someone who's outside of this. This is your church family. Make it count. Amen? Okay, so I want all of us here next week, okay? Okay? Bring some people along with you so that we can actually find out how do we actually step into this even deeper. On your way out today, pick up a magnet thing with your kids' names. They're out in the atrium. Let me go ahead and have us close in prayer. If you could stand, I'm gonna pray for you before we take off. Lord Jesus, I lift up all of the people who are currently raising kids in one of these phases. I pray that you encourage them, that you help them realize, Lord, that all of us have messed up stories where we make mistakes. All of us have have parts that that we wish that we could redo and do over. And that the amazing thing about grace is that you keep bringing us back. You keep restoring us. Keep putting us back in the game, Lord, each and every time. I pray that you do that for them. For those of us in this room, Lord, who aren't parents or or we've been empty nesters for a long time, we feel like this just does not pertain to us. I pray, Lord, that you infuse inside them the vision and the mission of the church, to be the church family pouring into the next generation. Lord, when we give, when we give of our time, we're making that investment. Let us be that type of church, God. We'll give you the thanks and the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen, amen. Pick up those things out in the air. I'll see you next week.